Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 129 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we talked about the traditional website homepage and whether it's reaching the end of the line. In this episode, we want to focus on an increasingly popular organizational tool that might make a lot of sense for you. Tom, what's in our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we'll be talking about one of our favorite tools, and that's Evernote. In our second segment, we'll talk about whether we really need to print things out as much as we used to. Uh, and as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second this podcast is over. But first, let's get started on our first segment, and that is Evernote. Um, I've long been a user of Evernote. I've been using it for many, many years. I love it. I work with it on a daily basis. Um, Although, as we'll probably get into it, I don't use it it very much for work as much as I use it for personal reasons, and I'll explain why when we talk about it. But but Dennis, I think you had not used it as much as I had, and I know that uh, I had challenged you earlier this year to make more use of Evernote, and uh, I guess the question is, are you making any progress? I guess because we're doing this segment may mean you're making some progress. It is kind of a tip-off. Um, yeah, I, I started to, to use it because um, you did challenge me, and, and I, was, I was trying to come up with some uses for it. And I had a really ambitious project and it kind of went off in the wrong direction, and we can talk about that. And I switched that project into to another program. But interestingly, it helped me see um, ways that I could really start to use Evernote um, in what I think will be some really good ways. And I, and I also started using it in some ways uh, that, that we can also talk about in a, in a little more detail. And then I also wanted to mention that uh, this morning I was listening to and this is uh, like the second or third time recently we've we've sort of overlapped topics with the, the Mac uh, Power Users podcast, but they had a sort of epic nearly two hour uh, <laughs> podcast on on evernote which which has a lot of great tips and we'll certainly go into way more detail than we'll go into this this podcast but that also gave me some ideas on how I might use it and and because David Sparks and Katie Floyd are both lawyers it's also some really interesting perspectives on how lawyers uh, might use evernote um, but Tom I guess maybe the way to start out is uh, and, and a lot of people have been using it or use it use Evernote off and on as I know I did for for years sort of off and on maybe it's worthwhile to just take a, a minute and and describe to people who aren't familiar with Evernote exactly what it is sure and and I sort of divide people who use Evernote into three camps I there are the uh, and, and among lawyers anyway there are the devoted folks who have been using it for a long time and I think that's a relatively small group if I'm if I'm being honest um, then there's the middle group that says yeah I've tried it uh, but I really haven't figured out the best way to use it and so I don't and then then there's a lot of people who just don't use it at all because either they're not aware of it or or just don't can't figure out a, 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 the right thing to use from it the reason that evernote caught on with me was was that back when um, 
I started using it, it call, they wanted to call itself your memory um, and your electronic memory, keeping everything that you needed to keep in one separate place. And uh, it's, it's, I think... I think it is misleading and it's not fair to just call it a note-taking tool because you can certainly take notes with it, although I will say that I actually use another program for notes for work uh, more than I use Evernote. So I, I don't use it as that. I use it primarily to save things that I'm going to need and want to come back to. And I think what makes uh, Evernote so interesting is it's incredibly versatile in that it is available on every platform. So I can access my Evernote account from my Mac, from my desktop, my, from my laptop, Windows PC, from my iPad, from my Android phone. If I had a BlackBerry, if I had a Windows phone, there are platforms anywhere that you can always get to your notes. And I think that's one of the main requirements of a tool like this is if it's going to be your memory, you need to be able to access your memory wherever you happen to be. Um, the other thing that I think is is nice is that it essentially will capture just about anything that you want it to capture. You can just take notes. You can type notes in. Uh, if you have the Android version, you can actually write in. You can take handwritten notes on an Android device. Um, you can uh, capture images. You can capture PDF documents. It'll store other types of files as attachments. Um, it will take pictures and scan those pictures. Um, and so it literally can cover just about any kind of information that you want to keep for, forever. I think it is a fantastic tool for capture. And as we go through it, I think we'll talk about some of the ways that we've used it and that lawyers might be able to use it. But I think kind of at base, that's my general description of it. Would you want to add anything to that? Well, uh, David Sparks and Katie Floyd were talking about uh, how they think of Evernote as sort of like the everything bucket. And I, th- I think that's sort of useful, although it's, it's not all that appealing to me. I don't think that would sell me on, on Evernote. But there is that notion that, that you were talking about, that is you can take all these different things in different formats and put them all into one place where you can keep them, search them, have access to them. And I, I think the big thing then is to to organize them and so the the metaphor here and how it really works is it's a fairly flat filing system where you're you're putting things in as notes you can then organize things and collect things together in notebooks and then sort of at the top level, uh, you can do something called stacks, where you take the notebooks that you create and, and put them into kind of like a super notebook. So if you're doing project, you know, you had a project, you could create separate notebooks on different aspects of it, you know, research, that sort of thing. If you're a lawyer, you know, there's different things that you might want to do as you divide a project into different details. If Tom and I are doing a book book project, we could put ideas at one place, you know, uh, marketing things, uh, research, uh, things we want to share in different places. And also you can share the notebooks uh, and the notes uh, with different people. So it does a, a number of things, but to go back to the notion of the everything bucket, um, there, I, I think what it, it really does excel at is what you were talking about, Tom, which is getting information in and then in one place where you can access it um, basically wherever you are on whatever device you are uh, are on. And I think that's that's really useful. And it is amazing to me how much stuff you can do, just uh, text, PDFs. We'll talk a little bit. I, I think we're both using the premium version, which I would recommend to people because there are more features, more storage. And if you're going to get into this in a serious way, I think it makes sense to use the, the premium 
premium version, but you, it will OCR PDFs to make them searchable. Um, there's some really cool things you can do using the camera that we'll talk about, and then also uh, to clip things from from the web. And I and as I recall, Tom, I think you use the the web clipping tool fairly often. Well, there are, like you said, there are a ton of ways to get information into Evernote, and I think that's that's one of the. If if I'm thinking of a requirement, it, it's it's got to be available everywhere, and it has to let me get information in however I want to get it in. And I think Evernote's pretty successful at like at that. And if and if they aren't doing it, then there are third parties who are also creating tools to help you do it. So the way that the ways that are most common for me, um, for example, I will send things. to to my Evernote account via a dedicated email address. Everybody who has an Evernote account, you get you will get a dedicated email address, and all you have to do is mail um, a document, mail a web page, forward an email to that email address, and it's automatically added to your uh, Evernote account. I, I use Gmail, and there's actually a clipper within Gmail. I just press a button, and it automatically clips my email and, and attaches it to Evernote in a similar fashion. Um, if you, We've talked about the tool um, IFTTT, if this, then that. And there are, I went to look, and I would say that there are over almost 9,000 different what they call recipes on how to get things into Evernote. So you take a picture on your Android phone, and or on your iPhone, and it moves it into Evernote. Uh, it will uh, it'll keep a log in Evernote of every call you make on your Android phone. It will uh, take all the check ins that you have on Facebook and do it. I'm, those are kind of frivolous notions, but it will also take um, some of your Evernote uh, documents and upload them to Google Drive if you want them someplace. And so, forget the the, the little small things I'm talking about. There's literally eight thousand ways to get information in there. Um, I do use, like Dennis said, the Web Clipper. Um, it's it's a fantastic fantastic web clipper that I use with Chrome where I just click the, the clip button and it lets me gives me the option of whether I want to clip the an article, a simplified article, I guess, which means that it's had the advertising out, all everything stripped out so it's easy to read. You can do the full page. You can just clip a collection. You can just clip a screenshot. Um, they bought a, a company called Skitch a number of years ago that allows you to, they've now incorporated that into the web clipper where you can annotate, draw on, type on, on, uh, highlight things on a, on a page before you do it and then allow you to seamlessly store it in the notebook of your choice um, very easily. So uh, I think that they've really nailed the notion of getting information into it. And, and once once you're into it, I think it's, it's where the notebooks and notebook stacks and, and, and the individual notes come into play. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, Tom. I think once you understand all the types of information and all the different formats you can put in there, then you start to really see the possibilities of it. And so you'd say, oh, I'm doing research for a presentation or something else I'm doing, and I, if I'm doing the web clippings, um, then and then then those are going into Evernote into a notebook that's for that presentation and the research for the presentation. Then when I'm ready to actually go through all that research I've collected over a period of time, it's all in one place. There's two things that I think uh, that I did want to mention on on putting information in that I, th- I think are especially interesting to me, or at least they have been lately. And they all involve the use of the camera. 
on uh, your iPhone or Android using the Evernote app. And one is business cards. There was a great app, a LinkedIn app called Card Munch that I really liked where if you met somebody, you got a business card, you could uh, basically take a picture of it. That information would go into your contacts. You could invite people uh, to connect on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has stopped uh, supporting Card Munch. It's actually going out of usage, I guess. Um, and that's moved over to Evernote. So with Evernote, uh, they actually have... Uh, you know, if the functionality now where you get a business card for somebody, you take a picture of it, it goes into Evernote, and then you have that information really easy to capture that stuff. And then the whole notion of just taking uh, photos or scanning documents, uh, which I think is great because uh, I, I think this is going to be the solution, Tom, to my uh, what do I do with mind maps uh, thing because I, I still like to use do mind maps on paper and so I think if I just take a picture of them when I'm done and throw them into to Evernote yep. that's going to be a way that that I can keep those. Sure. I also found that useful, you know, in terms of keeping things that documents and things that you want to have access to in multiple places say it might be a power of attorney uh, you know documents in connection with selling a house or other things like that all in one place just take a picture of it like a scanner and it's a it's a great way to do things um, Thomas you want to talk about how you uh, use the notebooks and, and notes and organization within Evernote sure but I need to add to what you just mentioned about business cards uh that I was thinking you had mentioned being the LinkedIn person that you are, but the, but what you can do now with Evernote is you can link it to your LinkedIn account and that when you scan that business card in, Reed Trouts and I did a live demo of this at the Virginia State Bar Tech Show last month and, and, it, and it worked flawlessly, which was amazing since we were just doing it for the very first time. But you scan the business card in, it connects to your LinkedIn account, shows you the LinkedIn profile for the person and then saves the contact as a LinkedIn contact. Um, it was just beautiful and it shows up beautifully. It's not just the scan of the business card now. You now have have all their LinkedIn information, and there's a little button there that says connect if you want to try to connect with them on LinkedIn, and you can now contact them and communicate with them. So nice functionality between both Evernote and LinkedIn. Um, the, the other two ways to get things in that I left off the list are if you still like to write things, like you like to write maps, uh, mind maps, I am... Um, I am a big fan of the, um, I don't know if they're Moleskine or Moleskine, and I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but I hear everybody pronouncing it differently. But those really nice notebooks, they make an Evernote version that has sort of enhanced paper that when you scan it, um, when you take a picture of it with the camera, um, it's able to to align it correctly and then upload directly into Evernote. I don't know if that's a gimmick or not, but I like it. It works well for me. And then they also went into- And I just ordered one of those, Tom, yeah. tonight. I've got, uh, I've got two of them, and I like them quite a bit. And then they also have a Post-it note scanner. So you can take all the Post-it notes from around your computer monitor and actually scan for Post-it notes, and it will do the same type of scan as it's doing for business cards, which I think is, is a neat, neat option. Now, to come back to, to how I typically use it, like I said, and I'll get it out of the way, I don't use it much for work. Um, I, and the reason is, is that for all that I love about Evernote, it has some limitations in the way that you take notes. So when I am at work, I am 
taking notes from meetings. I am doing interviews with individuals, with my clients, and I want to keep notes in a certain way. And um, I tend to use Microsoft OneNote for that because I can set up a notebook for a particular client, and then I can have a tab for each part of that client that um, that is very powerful and very customizable and, and just meets my needs more for work. And so for me, what I tend to use my notebooks for mostly is to capture knowledge about the topics that actually I do for work. So records management, electronic discovery, privacy information. When I find either articles or papers on the subject, things that I want to save to go back for either research or reference later, I am constantly um, moving from my pocket account where I read documents and I just do a send to Evernote and it goes up there. I've seen lots of people, and I've done this in the past before, but not on a regular basis. You can set up to-do lists in there. It has a nice little checkbox feature, and I know a lot of people use it for to-do lists. Um, Dennis, you you scan documents in. When I traveled, uh, when we went on our cruise last year, I did all of my cruise planning in Evernote and um, had a separate notebook page. I, I set up a stack for the cruise. I had a separate notebook page for each day of the cruise so I could put in the, the restaurants we wanted to go to, the things we wanted to see where we were going. And then at the end, I had scans of my passport and all the important documents that I would need to take with me. Scan When I went to China last year, I scanned in my visa. So in case I lost all of that, I would have it available um, within Evernote. So I, I I think that's another good way is to to keep a a separate copy of your uh, most important documents. I guess that that kind of brings up the subject of security for Evernote. So maybe we want to spend some time talking about uh, making sure that how to to make Evernote secure, as secure as as we possibly can. Yeah, so it's a cloud service. So you're going to have the normal cloud issues. uh, So you need to consider the the whole thing about passwords, strong passwords. Uh, Evernote has multi-factor authentication, uh, uh, which we've talked about in other podcasts. Definitely something you want to, you know, again, based on what you're using Evernote for. Because uh, if you start, you know, scanning in uh, bills, bank statements, uh, other financial information, you want to have have it as secure as possible. Um, so, multi-factor authentication is is an important thing. So, there are all these, you know, I, you know, I'm going to be careful about certain things that I put into Evernote. Like, I don't. I, it's probably the uh, acid test on all security is whether you'd put. Uh, copies of your tax returns on something. I don't know if, if I'm I have that level of comfort with Evernote, but I can see putting some you know fairly significant personal documents. That does raise the issue though of using Evernote for personal versus uh, work in your law practice, and I, I think that's something that people need to give a lot of thought to. I'm comfortable using it on the personal side. It's sort of an easy question for me because I have such a wall between the stuff I do personally and what I do at, at work. So um, I don't really have to think that much about it because they don't really overlap. Um, but you would need to think that through carefully. And um, and there's been discussion, I think, about Evernote, the same way there's been about Dropbox and other cloud services on um whether there are ethical obligations on that. I would be a little bit hesitant, I guess, to use Evernote 
in law practice, if it was in private practice, except maybe with certain, for certain projects with certain clients. And I would uh, absolutely want to do my due diligence to understand Evernote security, how they do things. And then I think absolutely I would want to have in the, you know, the retainer or other uh you know, fee, I always forget what that's called since I'm not in private practice anymore, but you know what I mean, Tom. But in the general agreement I have with my client, I would want to, to talk about Evernote, that I was going to use the, use it, disclose that, and get the agreement from the client to kind of, you know, tie everything down if I were going to use that. Um, I think that Evernote's had a really good history on the security side, although... Uh, I know they've they've had a, f- a few things along the way. Yeah, I am. Um, I second the multi-factor authentication. Although I don't, I've said it, so I don't really have to enter it very often. Um, having that extra layer of protection is important because you know that if someone does get through that first level of your password, they're going to be asked for that second uh, that second uh, token, and um, and so I think that's a, that's a nice. Area. I've noticed that in the past couple of months, Evernote has introduced its Evernote for Business um, option, which kind of allows, I don't know that it uh, gives any more security to what you have, but um, it allows you to um, keep your business notes separate from personal. So uh, if you if you want to use Evernote, you can uh, keep business notes and then keep your personal notes separate so that if you ever left the company, you would be able to uh, to take those notes with you or at least keep them separate for, in terms of protecting them. Um, there's no, I think, um, great way to... I, I know that you cannot encrypt a, a notebook within Evernote, but I think that you can um, encrypt some sensitive data and selected text. So if you go in and you find uh, some text in a, in a message, you can highlight that and then encrypt that information if, uh, if you want to. Just go in and highlight it and then right-click and then it will say encrypt selected text. So it can be secured within there. Unfortunately, you can't encrypt a notebook, which I think is kind of a... I think on the one hand... You, they're probably doing that on purpose so that you can share it, so you can access it from any platform, and they just don't have the ability to do it in other ways. But um, I, I think that that's an option if you wanted to protect it. I, I tend, though, to come down the same way that you do, Dennis, uh, on the idea of using it for legal things. Um, I, I know lots of lawyers who are doing it, um, so it's 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 something that uh, it, it depends on your appetite for documents stored in the cloud and the types of information that you have in there. Like like I said, I use it for research which I think is uh, is perfectly fine to have, and keeping that up there is is a good thing. Um, whereas uh, putting sig- significant client information would probably make me a little more nervous than uh, than putting personal information up there. Well, I was going to say, Tom, you, I guess you could just use Evernote on one computer, like your laptop, and uh, use it for client or work projects that way, and then you wouldn't have it up in the cloud you know obviously you cut the uh, the benefits of Evernote doing that and then and then I think it's also worth making explicit time that the reason you you might use it with clients is that ability to share notebooks um, you know which is right. which is could be really important and so that's that's why it becomes an issue because this becomes a way where you can say oh I put I created a notebook share it with the client uh, put documents other things in there and then they can 
they can connect to it the same way I can, and it becomes really useful and you know easy to use and and inexpensive. And and then also it's worth saying again that that we're really talking about the premium version and and all the things that we say that we can do. And at this point, I'm not really sure. I, I just would recommend using the premium version. So th- we, there may be some things that we talk about that if you're using the free version, you might not see, and that's the reason. Uh, to, but I, I think if you're serious about Evernote, and my sense is, Tom, you'll have to check me because I don't have a browser open at the moment, is it's about $99 a year, right, for the premium version, or am I a little bit off on that? I thought, and now you're going to make me go do a search, I thought that the premium version was only $45 a year. But hang on and let me do a quick search and we'll figure it out. But while we're while I'm looking for that, you know, one of my favorite uses of Evernote, if, I, if we're talking about unusual uses, uh, because I travel so much, I'm always looking and interested in, in restaurants in the towns that I happen to be going. I'm sorry, it's, it is $45 a year. It's $5 a month or $45 a year. So way cheaper than the 99 that Dennis is saying. But because I go to restaurants so often or go to other towns so often, I want to go and try new places and I, I I watch Diners, Dives, and Drive-Ins, and I watch other shows talking about new restaurants, and I read about them in magazines, and so I will put new restaurants, I'll go to the website, and I will clip the, the, the menu or the website for that restaurant, and I will make a separate note for it in Evernote, but then I will tag it with the name of the city. Um, and so then whenever I head out to a city, I will go and look in under my tags and I'll say, I'm going to Los Angeles. I'll look at all the new restaurants that I've tagged under Los Angeles and see if any of them happen to be in the area where I'm going to be. And that's kind of a fun use that I've been using it for is to, to have a, a, a set of curated restaurant recommendations rather than just to use something like Yelp or something else to, to use. I'm, I'm actually, there are restaurants that I'm interested in that I've kind of already done research on and I already know about, uh, I know that there are restaurants I would like to try, and Evernote helps uh, helps me keep track of them. Yeah, and, and I think that that's that sort of the the memory thing, or the portable memory aspect of it, because I just see this great use of that Evernote can take the place of other things I'm I'm doing. So you could say, oh, this will help me keep track of the books I've I've read. I just take a, a picture of the cover, throw it into Evernote. This will keep you know if I'm at a restaurant and I just want to take a picture of a menu or take a picture of the meal I had or, you know, the wine, you know, and I can start to make this collection. I'm not sharing over Twitter or Facebook and, and have my friends wonder what the heck I'm, I'm doing by, by putting up my favorite lunches. I can actually, but I can keep that stuff because it's useful. And so I think that can be helpful. I mean, what I found, Tom, uh, to kind of wrap things up is that what's, what's helped me at the moment is, is what I call getting a handle on the vision thing. So I had experimented with using Evernote to, to do David Allen's Getting Things Done. And it actually kind of worked that way. And I had set up all these different project notebooks and stuff. But then I decided that it didn't quite work the way I wanted. And I moved to OmniFocus, which we might talk about in a future episode. But by doing that, I saw a bunch of ways that I can actually use Evernote in connection with OmniFocus to put you know, the relevant documents, research, that sort of thing, as a link to what I'm doing in OmniFocus with the to-do task. 
and projects and to keep the actual documents and stuff uh, in an organized way in, in Evernote. So that I, I'm really excited by the potential of how I can use Evernote that way. But I think when I was just thinking sort of theoretically about using Evernote, I could see the benefits of it. It was harder for me to understand exactly what it was that I was going to do. And I think that's made it difficult for me to take much more than baby steps into it. Well, I think that that just shows the different types of things that people can do with Evernote is is changing and increasing all the time. And uh, there are tons of resources out there. And the Mac Power Users podcast is just one of them. But there are places, if you just go to YouTube and, and do a search on Evernote, there's tutorials on how to use it and tutorials on, on how to, to do different things with Evernote. So uh, go out and explore and you'll probably find some interesting ways to use Evernote that, uh, that you weren't thinking about uh, or didn't hear from us during this podcast. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. I was printing out a PDF from the web this morning, and it got me thinking about how printing has changed, or maybe not changed for some of us, and whether we print out more out of habit than actual need. Uh, Some of the millennials I know say that they don't even own a printer these days. I bought a new laser printer at the end of last year, and the main feature I cared about, to be honest, was two-sided printing, so I used less paper. So printing is kind of the flip side of of going paperless. I mean, usually people think about scanning things like that and things like that when they think about the paperless office. But you really start to think about how much paper are we actually creating ourselves just by that sort of reflexive printing that we do. So, Tom, I guess my question for you is, do you print that much anymore? And is it time to rethink this the whole printing thing? You know, it's funny that you wanted to talk about this subject during this podcast because the past week I've been incredibly busy and have not had time to get out to the office supply store. And, and I, I have a printer here and um, I don't use it very often, as we'll talk about in just a second. But I am trying to submit an expense report for a conference that I spoke at and they require that I print everything out and have it all in paper, which is just so unusual these days because usually I'm, I'm scanning things and sending everything in electronically. And I I will tell you, it took me two weeks to get it printed out because I had run out of ink and I just I hardly ever use it. I really don't print things out if I can help it. My work is almost completely paperless. I, everything I create is electronic. I give it to my clients. I'm sure that they're printing things out because they like to read things and have something in their hands. Um, but if I receive paper from a client, the first thing that I do is scan it and put it into an electronic filing uh, location. I think in general, businesses are creating less paper 
tougher than they have in the past. I would include law firms in that. Um, uh, but I, I think that doesn't mean that there is less paper because I know a lot of a lot of businesses, law firms included, are very hesitant to get rid of the paper they have. So I think that there is less paper being created, but I find that it's really hard to make a use case for paper these days. The only one that I can really think of is where a wet signature is required, where a law or a business requires that a contract or some other document have an actual physical signature on it. But with with laws making e-signatures legal, with the fact that more and more governmental agencies are not requiring paper documents, um, I, I really see that paper filings and, and other things are, are decreasing. I, with e-filing for lawyers, um, they, they are filing much less often in paper. Um, with the tablet being a terrific device to read documents, I don't see a need to print a document out just to read it. So that said, I don't really see that there's the demise of paper or the demise of printing. Um, I, I think it's decreasing, but I think it's still probably here to stay for a while. You know, I, I think I print a lot more than I should, and and part of that is that it's still a little bit easier for me to do markup of legal documents on on paper rather than on the screen, and and so that that's one thing. And the other thing is is just uh, you know a lot of times things on the screen aren't just aren't comfortable for me to read either because of backgrounds or font size or that sort of thing, and so it's sometimes easier for me to print things out. Others, a little bit of time shifting where I just want to go, I'll print it out and read it later. I sort of think there's a step missing, and maybe it's a script, maybe it's a tool. If you there was a printer choice, it was like print to my iPad directly or to a Kindle, that that would really knock down the amount of printing you would need to do. But I, it is interesting to talk to young people who just don't even want to bother with the printer and are surprised that, that people still use them. It's, it's really made me start to rethink how I'm doing it or why I'm printing. Because sometimes the things I say I'm printing for, you know, so I can read it easier and that sort of stuff doesn't really turn out in, in the way that when the print actually comes out. So I don't know. I, I'm curious what other people might think, other you know, listeners might think or what they're running into on, on the whole printing thing. Because I, I do think that things are changing these days. I think it's certainly possible to uh, to do what you just said. I think that both on a Mac on a Windows PC, you need to kind of have the right workflow set up. But you can certainly take a document and let's say that I wanted to, to review a, a Word document. I could print it to PDF and I could save it to a specific folder on my Mac and the Mac will will move things into the right folder. And, uh, and if you move it into, say, for example, a Dropbox folder, you can create a recipe on If This Then That uh, to actually move that into a, an app on your iPad or to, to read it in Evernote, for example. So you could see it there. So I think that you're not we're not far off with being able to do something like that. And um, I think it just kind of takes a little bit of tinkering to see. And it'd be kind of interesting to see if people start doing more of that in the future. Now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. I discovered an app today for my Android phone uh, that I think I'm going to be using a lot from now on, and it's called Hanger, H-A-N-G-A-R, like an airplane hanger. Um, Hanger um, addresses the problem that uh, even though you may have dozens of apps on your phone, you probably only use a handful more often than not. And so what it does is, is that it keeps track of the apps you're using most often, and it adjusts. If you start using one more than the other, then it will keep it on the list. And then what it does is it puts the seven apps 
apps that you use most often, the icons for those in your notification tray. So if I ever pull down my notification to see what other notifications, other text messages or emails that I've gotten, I've got there just seven app icons that I can get to my most used apps anytime that I want to. Um, really easy to use, um, very intuitive. It uh, It's kind of understanding exactly what apps I use more often and adjusting uh, to, to show that. Uh, you can also create a widget uh, on your Android screen if you want to do that. But uh, really interesting app, Hanger, free of charge. And I want to mention a book I just finished called Johnny Ive, The Genius Behind Apple's Greatest Products by Leander Connie, K-A-H-N-E-Y. I hope I'm close on that pronunciation. Apple fans and others will know that Johnny Ive is the design person behind, oh, a few little things like the the iPod, the iPad, the iPhone, uh, and Macs of both the uh, the desktop type and the laptop type. So he's a big guy, and the success of Apple and the way that we think about design and, and how we treat design. It's a great book. Uh, it takes you through a lot of the history, um, his approach to design, um, how hard they work and how they do things at Apple. And, and that was a big learning thing for me because it really shows, no matter how talented you are, how hard and you really have to work uh, to be, you know, at the top of the the game. Um, but uh, fascinating book, not not a long read, um, and I think if you're especially in the Apple world, it's, it's totally worth your time to read. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, is available in our show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site. Uh, You can also get to the archives of all of our previous shows in both places as well. If uh, you have a question that you want answered, an idea for an upcoming episode, or you just want to talk to us, please send us an email at tcamreport at gmail.com or send us a tweet. You can send me a tweet at Tom Mile or Dennis at Dennis Kennedy. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. Help us out by rating this podcast or writing a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.